Welcome to City First Church. We are so glad that you are in the building. I want to say hello to everybody at Cape, everybody in the State Line area. Come on, can we make some noise for our guy behind bars location? We love you guys. We are continuing a series that we've called Iconic, where we've been talking about what it looks like to live like the most iconic person to ever live, and his name is Jesus. Uh, we've talked about what it looks like to, to have iconic generosity, um, iconic compassion, uh, how to make an iconic difference, uh, what it looks like to walk in iconic forgiveness, uh, what it looks like to have iconic relationships. There's been a question attached to each message. So the first question was, do you have generosity like Jesus? Do you have compassion like Jesus? Do you make a difference like Jesus? Do you forgive like Jesus? Do you have relationships like Jesus? For this week's message, I want us to turn to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 16, starting in verse 24. It says this, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Today, I, I want to talk to a group of people that have been trying to figure life out for a long time. I want to talk to that group of people who have been searching for life. They've been searching for purpose. And might I suggest today that there might be some things we need to lose in order to gain true life. I love how this verse is translated in the message version. It says it this way. It says, then Jesus went to work on his disciples. Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way, to finding yourself your true self. What kind of deal is it to get everything you want but lose yourself? What could you ever trade your soul for? I know a lot of people that got a lot of things, but they've lost their soul. Today, I want to talk to you about what it looks like to lose like Jesus. Do you lose like Jesus. This verse uh, grinds my gears just a little bit. I'm a person that is obsessed with winning. So if I even see the word lose in the Bible, I just skim over that and just move on to something else, you know? Uh, but when we think of the type of losing Jesus is referring to, it's the type of losing that is really associated with letting go of something. Um, have you ever been driving in your neighborhood and you wouldn't consider yourself a nosy person, 
but you can't help what you see that your neighbors have made public. You know what I mean? Like you can just see their way of living that may not be your way of living. And specifically uh, when they leave their garages open. Okay. I believe a person's garage tells you a lot about who they are as a person. And there are just a few houses in my neighborhood that I'll drive past and I just see stuff in their garage and I'm just like, wait, 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 wait. you a hoarder, bro. Like, what do you need that for? And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not trying to be in your business, but it's like, I've seen that box there for a solid couple years now. It hasn't moved. So if it hasn't moved, whatever's in it, must, you must not love it that much, but you love it enough to keep it in your garage. You know, we, we just, they're, they're just hoarders. And, and here's the deal. I realize that we are all people who have emotional attachments to things that make no logical sense as to why we would continue to hold on to them. iPhone boxes, why? Why do we hold them? Why? There's nothing in the box. We already took everything out of the box. But you're like, man, I could sell this on eBay in like four years. You're like, they don't care about the box at that point. Refrigerator instructions, Ikea, Target tools. You know the little tools that come? Why do we keep them? Like whatever we buy next is going to come with the tool. But he's just like, I'm going to throw that in the junk drawer for a rainy day. You just never know. Every single one of us, every single person under the sound of my voice has a raggedy t-shirt that needs to be burned today. <laughs> it's an old church volunteer shirt that we gave you for free, okay? You need to let it go, okay? Shirts you wore in high school, uh, dress, your prom dress, it's over, okay? It's gone. Why? Why you still got it? I have no idea. Can't fit in it no more, but you're like, one day, come on. Like we gotta, we, we gotta, we gotta move. I guarantee you there is something in your garage, your basement, your attic and your closet that needs to be burned today. Matter of fact, if you don't get anything else out of this message, just do that. Okay. Go home with a blowtorch and go, he said, I need to do something. Okay. Anything. <laughs> and for some of us, it's not stuff that we need to let go of. It's habits. Some of us got some habits that are destroying our life. What if I change the word habits? Some of us got some addictions. Let's call it what it is. We keep going, oh, it's just some stuff. No, it's an addiction. You can't stop. You've tried. You can't. I wonder if there's some things that we need to truly let go of today. I mean, one of, the, one of the habits in my life that I desperately need to let go of is um, I have this problem where I, I just continue to buy wholesale items from China. <laughs> I can't stop. I've been trying for a long time. People have been praying for me. Their prayers haven't been working because I just love a good deal. You know what I'm saying? AirPods like $250, but in China, they like $13. You're like... I, you know, how, how do I not, you know, clickbait, call me crazy. You know, it started in college when I couldn't afford Jordans. And I was like, well, you know, I wasn't going to stand in line. I didn't have the money, but you can get them for $34 in China. Now, now, now the problem with ordering stuff from China is um, it's going to take about 13 to 16 weeks to get to you. So if you're getting Christmas gifts, you know, you, you, better, you better plan that well. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got to start thinking Christmas around July if you want to get good, 
good Christmas gifts. And the funny thing is, is when these packages show up to the house, it's a dead giveaway. You know what I'm saying? Because the whole package is wrapped in Chinese lettering. So my wife absolutely knows it was me. Okay. I like, I can't pretend. I don't know where this thing came from. I know exactly where it came from. You know what I mean? She's like, Ryan, you have to stop ordering things from China. Okay. Amazon prime is just fine. You, you'll be fine. I'm like, I'm like, babe, listen, Stay up on my business, okay? I'm, I'm doing things right now, okay? Like, just trust me. Like, I, 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 this, this is just, like, I have a whole group chat. It's called Wholesale, okay? Like, like literally, like, we just look, look at the stuff. Now, if you try to order a size large in China, it ain't the same. So there's a couple things that I can't wear on this stage because it would be embarrassing, okay? But, and again, it's probably something I need to burn. I just have this emotional attachment to it. I, I have to wonder today, how many of the things we think we're holding on to that actually have a hold on us? We think, oh, th th this is my stuff. But that stuff sometimes has us. Um, in today's message, I, I want to look at three things um, that I, I really just want to zoom in on this verse. And, and, and I, I was just asking the Lord, my Lord, what, what, are, what, what, are, what are three things that we really just need to, to let go of in, in, in order to find the life that you've called us to. And the first thing that I believe we need to lose today is control. Number one is control. I've often wondered if I'm a control freak. We have an obsession with being in control. I've often wondered if over the last 365 days, We've lost our ability to control things that we wish we could control. We can't control sickness and we wish we could. We can't control the weather, but we knew that before COVID. We can't control the economy. We can't, we like to try. We can't control our kids, especially grown kids, because you really want to control them. But we find out that we can't, we, we would love to be able to control our future, but that's not always how it works out, is it? I have to wonder how much we would grow spiritually if we were able to just go, you know what? What if I'm not in control? I think part of control is we're kind of obsessed with our plans. Our plans are very overrated, by the way. We think we're like the best planners. We're terrible. <laughs> I know so many people that had plans to go on vacation and it was interrupted. I know people that had plans for a big wedding and it was interrupted. They said, I ain't trying to have no social distance wedding. Well, you might, you ain't had no choice. Would you just gonna stay engaged longer? You can't control yourself that well. You need to go ahead and make that happen. Okay, so, I mean, people, people had plans to go to the Olympics. They're like, man, we're, we're gonna do this thing. And, and, and COVID-19 didn't ask us for permission to interrupt our plans. It wasn't like, y'all good? March 2020? All right, we can do it then. That, that, that wasn't, no warning, nothing, just, and what I know about you and I is our greatest plans tend to fail regardless of a pandemic. Um, I, I love uh, this verse that is found in the Gospel of Luke, starting chapter 9, verse 1. It says, Jesus summoned together his 12 apostles and imparted to them authority over every demon and the power to heal every disease. Then he commissioned them 
to proclaim God's kingdom and to heal the sick to demonstrate that the kingdom had arrived. As he sent them out, he gave them these instructions. Take nothing extra on your journey. Just go as you are. Don't carry a staff, a backpack, food, money, not even a change of clothes. Whatever home welcomes you as a guest, remain there and make it your base of ministry. So let me get this straight. The disciples show up for the missions trip and they've got their plans. They got their bags, they got their carry-on, they, they got everything they believe they need for the journey. Jesus is going, yeah, you don't need none of that. What? What, what, what do you mean? What do you mean I, I, I need it? Jesus, well, I can't take no draws, Jesus. I need draws. I need, I need to change the clothes, Jesus. Come on. Jesus is going, guess what? I have gone before you. I have already made arrangements for your future that you cannot see, but you have to trust that I've gone before you and I'm taking care of what you need. Sometimes you've got to trust that God has already gone before you and prepared that job, that God's already gone before you and prepared that relationship, that God's already gone before you and prepared that home you've been dreaming about for a long time. You've got to be able to trust God. I can only imagine getting to get into the church, getting ready for a mission trip, and the leader says, hey, uh, y'all good. You would have to trust the leader. Yeah, I, I've, I've already gone, but I've already made the arrangements. And, and, here, and I, I love Jesus because Je Jesus is almost fact-checking himself. Because later on in Luke chapter 22, verse 35, it says, then Jesus asked them, when I sent you out without purse, bag, or sandals, did you lack anything? Jesus conducting his own survey. Go ahead, all 12 of y'all, go ahead and answer. Go ahead, one by one. You lack anything, you lack anything, you lack anything. Did you lack anything? What about you? Did you, did you, did you, did you? Do? And, and, and this is what the scripture tells us. It says they, which is a group of them, all at once said nothing. Yeah, Jesus, everywhere we went, we didn't know how it happened. But it looks like we should probably keep trusting you because apparently you went before us and prepared everything we need. So no, anywhere we went, we didn't lack anything. There is something about trusting God that will help you find your life. It's walking by faith. I mean, I'd love to tell you exactly how next week is going to go. I can't but I know who holds next week. And so here and now, I actually gotta lose control. Some of y'all thinking about that Missy Elliott song. Y'all wanna dance right now, okay? We'll lose control. Okay, you need to stop, we in church, okay? We, we cannot live by our own plans, ladies and gentlemen. We have to surrender control to God. The reason I think we love our plans is because we love a sense of control. Sometimes life experiences have taught us that we can't trust anybody. And whenever we give up control, someone's going to take advantage of us. That's been our experiences. But you need to know that there is a God available to you today who can do more with your life than you can. But it's going to require you surrendering control and obeying his instructions. So the question that I want you to talk about in the life group, the question I want you to talk about at lunch, the question I want you to talk about over dinner is this, what control do I need to release to God? 
What control do I need to release to God? The second area that I think we need to lose in to find our life is number two, rightness. Rightness. Sometimes what it means to lose like Jesus is to lay down our pride. What our pride desires the most is to be right. Our rightness. And I believe that sometimes we need to let go of our rightness for the sake of our relationships. I love what Matthew 5 verses 23 says. It says this. It says, this is how I want you to conduct yourself in these matters. If you enter your place of worship and about to make an offering, you suddenly remember a grudge a, a, a friend has against you. Abandon your offering, leave immediately, go to this friend and make things right. Then and only then come back and work things out with God. If we're honest, most of us remember a grudge that we have against a friend and we either A, do nothing or B, let it fester. We might even tell ourselves some more ugly things about that person. We might add to what the grudge was. Oh, I bet they... <laughs> Have you ever been on Facebook and uh, you're scrolling and you find some Christians posting some things and you think to yourself, Christians are annoying. I can't stand these Christians, man. And then about two seconds later, you realize you are one. Isn't it easy? to point the finger at other Christians and be like, look at them, can't believe them. As if you're not in the same group. We don't get to just like separate ourselves from the Christians we like and the Christians we don't like. We're all stuck with each other because we got the same savior. But I love this scripture because some of us find ourselves so incredibly frustrated with life because we lack life-giving relationships because most of us live with the sense that I'm right and you're wrong. It could really put you in a real funk, in a very lonely place, when you feel like nobody agrees with me. And before you know it, you start maneuvering relationships around to where you're only around people that think like you and agree with you. And you put distance between all of the other people and you can find yourself in a very lonely place. I love the example that Jesus gives us in John chapter 13, where he's washing the disciples' feet. It sounds noble on the surface, but I think there's so much more to that. I want you to think about for a moment that table. I want you to think about the feet of two people who are at the table, Judas and Peter. Yet Jesus is still on bended knee washing their feet. If there was somebody in your life that you knew was going to betray you, that you knew was going to be disloyal, that you knew would cheat on you, that you knew would break your trust. If you knew that, would you serve them? I mean, I, I really want us to think about that for just a moment, not the other 10, those two. I mean, could you imagine you got the soap and water, you washing their feet, yeah, I brought that on the wall, man, you a good dude, bro. I'll take care of your feet, bro. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, James, oh, man, you good, man. John, you the one I love. Let me take care of your feet, Judas. I'll break your toe right now. I mean, just imagine. <laughs> 30 pieces, I'll cut your, like, it just, I mean, that would be us. 
we would all say that would probably be what? Right. But that's not Jesus. That's what made him iconic. Jesus was always laying down what was best for him, for what was best for others. Can you imagine what the other 10 were thinking after? Like, like they see what, how it went down with Peter. They see how it went down with Judas. And now in hindsight, these disciples are going, yet he still took care of them. You see the impact that this man, this iconic Jesus has had on the world? He had the utmost confidence in who he was without the pride that often pushes people away. I did this Instagram poll over this last week. A thousand people participated in it. And we discovered that 78% say that there are people in their life who they used to be close to a year ago that they've grown distant to. 32% say conversations about race have put distance between them and people they love. 58% say conversations about politics have put distance between them and people that they love. I'm looking back on the last 365 and I'm wondering where we went wrong. And now I'm looking at the next 365 to go, well, how can we get it right? And as Christians, we have to wrestle to the ground this idea of burning bridges when we're called to build them. And I'm not talking about submitting to what they believe or simply saying, hey, I was wrong and you were right, or is subscribing to any type of fake reconciliation. I'm merely suggesting that our relationships would drastically improve if we remove the scoreboard of rightness if we lay down our rightness for the sake of our relationships, I've learned that you can choose to be right or you can choose to be in relationships. You can rarely have both. Rightness will lead you to a very lonely place. And, and, and I will concede, you might be the smartest person in the room. Congratulations. You might be the greatest debater. Congratulations. You might be the most right. But what does that really get you? Where does that really get you? Congrats. You're alone. Sometimes we need to lose our rightness so that we can actually have relationship. The people I know that are in the best relationships aren't the people that are the most right. The people that have the best relationships that I know are the people that listen the best. They have an impeccable ability to be able to sit across from somebody and go, I see that. I see that. For us to listen well, we actually have to remove our need to be right. What would it look like if we engaged our spouse, our coworkers, our family, and our friends with the attitude and perspective that says, you know what? I don't need to be right. I don't, I don't, I don't need to be right. I have a friend that has a lot of opinions. He's studying to be a lawyer. He's literally going to be paid to be right all the time. But when we talk about life, sometimes we agree, sometimes we don't, but our, our relationship isn't on the line every conversation. We've created enough mutual space for one another to disagree or agree and simply listen to each other. Our friendship is not predicated on conversion. 
It's predicated on conversation. And so many of us, whether it's vaccines, whether it's schooling, education, politics, race, there is this, oh, I got to convert you. Like we got to make disciples of Democrats. Like we got to make disciples of Republicans. Like we, like we got to change somebody. But can I tell you, some of the most powerful words that you can use in relationships and difficult conversations are very, very simple. I could be wrong. Can you imagine if we started off our conversations with those words? Hey, I could be wrong. Do you know how many marriages could have been saved if husbands and wives had started off their difficult conversations with, I could be wrong. Do you know what kind of friend you would be? Do you know what kind of leaders we could be? Do you know what kind of parents we could be if we started difficult conversations with, I could be wrong, but, and, and, and here's the deal. What do we really have to, to lose when we use that phrase? I know what we do have to lose when we don't. And we lead with our rightness. Do you know how many parents I know that have no relationship with their kids at all? And I asked them what happened. And I'm just sitting there going, over that? Your rightness is costing you that? And then I talked to kids. I talked to grown people that don't talk to their parents. I'm like, you don't talk to your dad because of that? You don't talk to your mom because of that? And, and, and what I realized is that some of us are walking around like this kid. That's us. We go to work like that. We walk around our neighborhood like that. We at the park like that. We at the gym like that. We at the job like that. Just, and can't figure out why nobody wants to be around us. Shocked we're not invited to the party. What do you mean I can't go to the party? Well, can you, do, you, do, you, do you see this? You see that? This is you all day. And then when you have nowhere to go, you go to where? Social media. And then, ah, and I'm going, no wonder you can't find your life. Some of us have been so mad so long, we don't know anything else. We don't know any other emotion. We grew up in an angry home, and so now that's just, and you didn't even know that you had an option to let it go. What would it look like for you to put your fist down? And maybe unclench it. For some of us, some of the thing we've been holding on to for so long is, is anger. Some of us scraped and clawed so long, we actually got what we wanted and we were still mad. Some of us won the fight and we were still mad. At some point, you got to look in the mirror and go, is it me? I'm the best debater in the house but I feel like I'm alone in the house. What would it look like for us to lose our rightness? The question I want you to talk about in the life group, at dinner, at lunch, who do I need to lose with? Who do I need to lose with? Who do I need to forgive? Who do, who do I need to lay down my rightness with? If you can answer that question, I think you can find your life. The third and final thing that I think that we need to let go of in order to truly 
find our life. His number three, I think we need to let go of normal. I think we need to let go of normal. The last 365 days, I think the thing we've all mourned the most is our sense of normal. I just so happened to live in Texas. They get rid of COVID restrictions. I said, oh, y'all ready for normal again, huh? Okay, no mat, nothing? Okay, that's cool. Watch out. My neighbor had a pool party. had about 40 people there. I said, okay, good luck in that pool. I hope you got a lot of chlorine in that. You better be careful. All of us trying to figure out what is normal when we can get back to it. And I found that we have this infatuation with what was and this infatuation of what will be. And we can subscribe to two types of thinking. The first type of thinking is someday. It'll get better. Someday. The second type of thinking we can subscribe to is the good old days, the glory days, believing that our best days are behind us. And while I'm certainly a believer that the best is yet to come, what I want you to know this weekend is very, very simple. God is, ex- God is excited about our present and who you are and where you are right now. There's not this future version of you that he's like, oh yeah, them, they're gonna be great. Where you are right now, God wants you to embrace. I love what Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 says, Jesus says, come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The word yoke was a word that was used for rabbis. It was their way of living. It was their way of teaching. It was their perspective on scripture. And Jesus is going, hey, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. In contrast to a lot of other teachers who went, I know that this can be very cumbersome and I'm gonna put a bunch of rules on your life. I'm gonna put a bunch of regulations on your life. Jesus is going, My yoke is easy. There is a lightness that Jesus lived with, and we see more of it in Matthew chapter 6. It says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Verse 31 says, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I don't know what's gonna happen this year, but I know what God wants to do in your life today. Can't worry about tomorrow. I want to seek first his kingdom in my life, right here, right now. It's like Jesus was so unattached to the things of this life. It's what made him so light. Some of our attachments have simply led to heavier burdens 
carrying a weight that had led to more anxiety, more depression, more worry. And I'm wondering what it would look like today if on the inside we just let it go. Jesus was so free and he's pointing us back. He's like, seek first the kingdom. The question that I want you to ask in a life group, the last one is, is what does God want me to embrace right now? We're all, a lot of us are familiar with John 10, 10 that says the thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. There is no asterisk there. It, it, it's not dependent on other things. It's not, oh, it's going to be a full life when a pandemic is over and COVID-19 restrictions are lifted. It's not, oh, we're going to have a full life when I get that dream job, or I'm going to have a full life when I get married and I'm raising a family. I'm going to have a full life when the stock market is up. I'm going to have a full life when I figured out what Bitcoin even is and I invested and I did it four years ago instead of four days ago. No, it is you're going to have a full life exactly where you are right now and it's available to you. Every single one of us. And when we learn to let go of our control, when we learn to let go of our rightness, when we learn to let go of our sense of normalcy, there's an internal shift that I believe happens in our soul where things no longer have a hold on us and our life is full because we've learned to let go of the things that were holding on to us. I was preaching once and this guy came up to me after service and he's like, hey man, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty embarrassed to tell you this, but I, he said, man, I just, I just love your shoe game. And he's like, I just, I just like your shoes. And he goes, man, I'm pretty embarrassed. He goes, did I have a job interview tomorrow? I don't actually even have any dress shoes, man. Could, he goes, I don't even know why I'm telling you this. And I said, well, what size are you? He said, size 12. I said, all right, man, here you go. I took off shoes and handed them to him. He's like, man, what? I said, you said you need shoes, right? I said, listen, let me tell you something. I have a problem. I have a shoe problem. You helping me right now, okay? You doing me a favor. Take them. <laughs> Wife looked at me like I was crazy when I walked in the house with socks on. She goes, what happened to you? I said, hey, listen, you know, I'm, I'm getting cleansed right now, okay? <laughs> I mean, if you know anything about me, you know I, I love shoes, but here's the deal. They're just shoes. It's just stuff. It's just, it's just, it's, it's all just stuff. And I think we can look to our iconic Jesus to see how we should live life. That we shouldn't walk around like this at all. It's just a house. It's just a job. Some people go, man, I gave, I gave 10 years of my life to this thing. It's just a thing. You just said it. I gave 20 years of my life to this place. It's just a place. I'm not trying to make light of your career, but let's just call it what it is. It's just, it's just, it's just a place. Because by holding on to that, what you're subscribing to is the thought that God couldn't have another place for me. As if God's not in control and he is. So our degrees, our resume, our social present, all of these things that we can kind of put our identity and our reputation into, I don't think we're really going to find our life until we let go of those things that are holding on to our life. So number one, what control do you need to release to God? Number two, who do you need to lose with? And number three, 
What does God want you to embrace right here, right now? Can you imagine what it would look like if we were willing to lose our control, let go of our rightness, and say, God, whatever normal looks like, I don't need it. I just need you. I want to embrace you right here, right now. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm going to give each and every person an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of their life. You might be here today, you might be watching today, and man, maybe you've been wandering for a little bit. You've been searching for purpose. You've been searching for life, and you've, been, you've grasped on to some things that didn't give you what you thought it would. If that's you today, you say, Ryan, I'd love to give my life to Christ, or maybe I want to get back on the right track. Maybe you want to rededicate your life to Christ at every location. With no one looking around, you just slip up your hand and say, hey, Ryan, that's me. Ryan, that's me. Ryan, that's me. Anybody? See a hand back there. Anybody else? I'm sure there's hands at every location. Can we all say this prayer together? Say, Jesus, thank you for dying on a cross for my sins. I ask now that you would be the Lord and Savior of my life. I surrender control of my life to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Come on, can we make some noise for every single person that gave their heart to Christ?